Welcome to the weekly sermon podcast of River City Church in Jacksonville, Florida. Our mission is to awaken people to the transforming presence and power of God's love. To find out more, visit rivercitychurch.com and thanks for listening. Cutting some of my talk a little bit, a little behind, so I kind of want to jump in real quick and get going with uh, with this talk. We're in this um, series called "Eat, Pray, Eat, Pray, Love." No, sorry, Seed, Flock, Vine. And um, we took a little hiatus for the last few weeks talking about anxiety, and that was amazing this morning with the testimonies. Um, so I'm going to jump in. We're doing. It. We're back in the parables. These are parables that Jesus um, shared throughout his ministry, and uh, the parable that we're talking about this morning is uh, the ten virgins. It sounds like a reality series on Netflix, um, but it probably would be on Pureflix actually if it's ten virgins. Um, so I had that one planned. That was, that was planned for weeks. I had that planned for weeks. Um, let me pray for us as we get started on this parable. It's, it's a it's a challenging parable from from Jesus, and I want to jump into it, Lord. Thanks for laughter. Thanks for this time this morning. Thanks for just your story of um, grace upon grace in, in, in the lives of so many of us to, to walk out and experience your healing, healing from fear, anxiety, from many things, Lord, that you are faithful. So I pray you just come now, uh, speak through your word, and speak through um, your spirit in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so... Jesus is talking in this chapter, these, these two chapters in Matthew, and these are heavy, heavy parables. He's, he talks about the sheep and the goats in one parable, which he separates these two groups based on if they cared for the poor or not. Pretty heavy stuff. Sheep and the goats. He, t- he separates the wheat and the tares, like th- this idea that there's wheat and there's these weeds that look like Wheat are growing alongside, and at the, at the end of the age, he separates the wheat and the tares. And he talks about people that have talents. Some are given many talents, less talents, and, and a few talents. And, and, and if you don't use those talents and gifts God's given you, he separates that out as well. These are heavy things that Jesus was talking about. These parables are not, are not lighthearted. They're kind of like these challenging teachings. He used parables to kind of to lessen the blow, so to speak, to kind of make them um, relevant and kind of culturally uh, sensitive, but in the same time, they're very challenging. And so this story about the 10 virgins, most, most translations say they say 10 bridesmaids. Um, it's a story about this wedding feast, the wedding feast of the lamb, where Jesus is talking about this wedding. And, and basically these, these ladies are part of the bridal party and they're, they're waiting for the groom to show up. So let's read the story from Matthew 25. You can follow along on your phone or there's Bibles in front of you on, on, in the chairs. This is Matthew 25, 1 through 13. I'm gonna jump into it. And again, Jesus is using these parables and he's talking about his kingdom. And so he's comparing these parables, these stories to his kingdom coming. So he says, then the kingdom of heaven will be like these 10 bridesmaids who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. That's the groom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. The five who were foolish didn't take enough oil for their lamps. But the other five were wise enough to take along extra oil. When the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and fell asleep. At midnight, they were roused by the shout, Look, the bridegroom is coming. Come out and meet him. All the bridesmaids got up and prepared their lamps. Then the five foolish ones asked the others, Please give us some of your oil because our lamps are going out. But the others replied, We don't have enough for all of us. Go to a shop and buy some for yourselves." 
But while they were gone out to buy oil, the bridegroom came. Then those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast, and the door was locked. Later, when the other five bridesmaids returned, they stood outside calling, Lord, Lord, open the door for us. But he called back, believe me, I don't know you. So you too must keep watch, for you don't know the day of the hour of my return. Heavy stuff. Jesus concludes by saying, this is about me returning. Keep watch. You don't know the day or the hour of my return. And so contextually, what this story is about is in the first century in, in, this, in, in the Jewish world, the custom was to have a, a week-long feast sometimes, a week-long celebration for, for a wedding that was going on. And what would happen was... Um, the bride would be at her house, potentially with her parents, waiting for the groom to show up. And the groom would leave from the other side of the city and walk through the city. And the, the bridal party would join the groom as they go to the, the, the wedding party. And it would, it would last many days. So the wedding party would have these, these torches or lamps. And they'd have oil in the lamps. Back then, they'd have oil. Pens oil, maybe. Um, just kidding. But they would have oil in the lamps, and they would burn the lamps. Typically, it would happen at dusk, so the, the, the groom would leave around 5, 6 o'clock. It would take about an hour or two. But in this story, the groom, who is Jesus, is late in coming. In fact, he, he, he doesn't come till after midnight. So logically, this is not normal. It, it wouldn't have taken this long. It didn't take this long, typically, six, six seven hours. So the, the bridal party falls asleep. They all fall asleep, the wise and the foolish. They all, everyone fell asleep. They weren't, they weren't bad for falling asleep because it was taking so long they fell asleep. And so what happens is five of the, the bridesmaids' oil runs out, and so their lamps go out. And so they wake up, they realize, wow, I'm out of oil, and I need more oil. So they go down to the late-night oil exchange, wherever that was, maybe Walmart back then or something, and they buy, they buy more oil, but it's too late. They come back, and it doesn't matter. They got more oil, but it was too late, and they were shut out of the party. So it's a heavy story about this idea of, of Jesus coming and Jesus desiring um, something. What, what does this story really mean? Like, what is he talking about? Uh, real quick, let me read, read a quote from D.A. Carson. He's a kind of a scholar in New Testament. He says this, Normally the bridegroom with some close friends left his home to go to the bride's home where there were various ceremonies, followed by a procession through the streets after nightfall to his home. Then the ten virgins, maybe bridemaids, the ten virgins, maybe bridesmaids who have been assisting the bride, and they expect to meet the groom as he comes from the bride's house. Everyone in the procession was expected to carry his or her own torch. Those without a, without a torch would be assumed to be a party crasher or a brigand. I'm not sure what a brigand is. This is a funny word. Maybe your brigand's here. Um, the festivities might last several days, which would formally get underway at the groom's house. So that's kind of how it happened. But what does the story actually mean? Jesus is the bridegroom. He's the groom. In many instances in Scripture, he calls himself the bridegroom. In the Old Testament, God was called the groom, and Israel was called the bride. In the New Testament, the church is called the bride, and, we, and, and Jesus is called the groom. So there's this, this, this parallel, this, this idea is that Jesus is coming for his church. He's coming for us. He's coming for his church. He's talking, obviously, to, to Jews of the day, but he's talking to those people who would know him and understand this idea that God is marrying and preparing a celebration for his bride, his bride, his followers. And so what is the oil so the, the, the big question is, what, is, what does the oil mean? So when the oil runs out, 
It's a bad thing, obviously. The oil is, is hugely important. What is this oil that, that, that is so central to this, to this parable? And I think what it means is the oil, throughout Scripture, oil is kind of symbolic for God's favor, God's blessing, God's presence. In the Old Testament, a priest or a prophet would pour oil on a, a leader's head to anoint him for another season of ministry or a, a, a new venture. And so oil symbolized the work of the Holy Spirit, the presence of the Holy Spirit. It symbolized like this idea that God was preparing you and filling you and resting on you. And so Jesus is saying, this oil is your walk with me. Like it's this picture of the presence of God in your life. It's a picture of your history in the Lord. And it's, a, it's an important idea that, that these people all started the same way, right? These 10 bridesmaids all looked the same. They all had the oil in their lamps, but for five of them, it burned out. And uh, a scholar, 100 years ago, Henry Spence, who's a New Testament scholar, he, sa he said this. It's a heavy statement. He said, the foolish ones were too easily satisfied with their spiritual state and did not make the effort. We have the quote somewhere in there. And did not make the effort to maintain a healthy spiritual life by receiving the renewal of the Holy Spirit in their hearts. Outwardly, they looked the same. They all had on wedding garments, they all had lamps, they all were waiting for the bridegroom to return. But the difference was the unwise neglected the inward spiritual life, though they had the outward appearance of having it. They all looked the same, they all started the same, but the oil ran out. And the wise ones couldn't share their oil with, with, with the unwise ones. You know, you can't share your maturity, your intimacy. You can't give it to me because it's yours. It's your history in the Lord. And I can't give you mine. It can't be shared. It's between you and God. You can come down front for prayer for the next, you know, 10 months and, and get all kinds of their history in Jesus their maturity in Jesus, their walk with Jesus. It can't be transferred. And so Jesus is saying, you've got to have oil upon oil so that you can walk through the season of sleep. Notice they all fall asleep. It's expected to fall asleep as we wait for Jesus. And the sleep could be a number of things. The sleep could be just a season of dullness. It could be a season of brokenness. It could be a season of prosperity where we're tempted to forget who we really are, or we're tempted to forget the oil in our lamp is needed. And for some, it is, it is like this season of, of waiting and, and brokenness and longing, and so that oil depletes. And it's amazing how, you know, I, as a pastor, I've seen over the years how one event can affect two believers totally differently. You know, a married couple that has a, a traumatic loss in their family it could be a parent or a child or a sickness or a job, you know, something with the job. One person, it propels them to God. It propels them. The pain or the brokenness propels them into deeper faith, into deeper trust. And for the other person, it does the exact opposite. It's the same event, it's the same situation, but it propels the other one away from God. And I've seen that happen in marriages. I've seen that happen in couples where like, you're like, what? they're the same. 
pushes one away from the other. What, what's the difference? Is it, is it the oil? Is it the, the background that one had in Jesus? I, I don't know. Sometimes it's not brokenness. Sometimes it's prosperity. Sometimes it's incredible blessing that we, we just kind of let our walk with the Lord kind of dwindle and we kind of take the prosperity. We trust in our security. We trust in our achievement. We trust in our bank accounts. And the prosperity actually makes the oil dwindle in our own hearts. It could be either one, but there are seasons of sleep for all of us. We're all going to have seasons in our lives where we're, we, we fall asleep. And when he comes, we don't know when he comes. We don't, we don't know what tomorrow holds, but he's, he's calling us to be awake and calling us to remember to, to fill our lamps with new and fresh oil. That, that is time with the Lord. We heard three stories today of God doing that, of refilling the lamps. Now, just, just, for, just for honesty, that will not be enough to sustain them in 20 years. Those three stories are beautiful stories of God filling and healing and restoring, but that will not sustain them in 20 years. You can't look back and go, oh yeah, I, I remember when that happened to me 20 years ago. I'm, I'm dull and dry and dead now, but when I was in high school at Young Life Camp or Passion Camp, I was filled and changed. That's not enough to sustain. It can remind me of something, but God wants freshness in our lives now. He wants it right now. He invites us to that right now. And it was beautiful to hear those stories. It makes us a little jealous, doesn't it? It makes me a little jealous. Like, I want that. Like, I want that to happen again. I want more of that. It's a good kind of jealousy to see, gosh, they, they experience this upper room kind of experience at, at this camp. And I've seen that happen before. It's an amazing thing. But it will not sustain you when you're 50 when brokenness really happens and you have, and you have teenagers. What I'm just saying, it's like... like <laughs> It will not sustain you. We need fresh oil, fresh intimacy, and we need to turn to the Lord. And it, it's, it's really an invitation. So I think this story is a simple story in some ways, but it's so complex in some ways too. This, this oil that is like God inviting us into a deeper place of surrender of intimacy. It, and, and it can't be just the idea that I, if I just get somebody powerful enough to pray for me, it's going to happen. Like, that's good. God can break in and fill us, but we need to have a history in the Lord ourselves, a time with the Lord that's regular, and it's a relationship. He's not, he's not mostly mad at you this morning. He's not mostly disappointed. He's happy. He still loves you. I mean, he, he, he invites us into his love. That, that's the whole, the whole story this morning was an invitation into his love to, re, to bring restoration and refreshing and healing, isn't it? Like that, that was the testimonies. And so if, you, if, you, if your oils run out this morning, it's okay. Like there's still time. Like there's still time. Like he's, he's waiting. He's ready. He's not holding you at arm's length saying, I've given you so much time and you're, you're done. Like there's, there's still time. There's still time. So the oil is there. So let's stand. We're gonna, it's a quick talk. Let's stand and, and pray. We're going to have some time of prayer ministry. I'm going to pray for us and Max and Equip and lead us. And let's just be still for a second. God, this whole morning you've just been knocking on the door of our hearts, I feel like, with this invitation. And we just say, we open the door this morning to you, Jesus. We open the door to your spirit coming and filling, refreshing, healing. 
Just come now, Holy Spirit. We just lay down anything that hinders love, whether it's been our prosperity and our blessings or it's been the brokenness. We just, we lay it before the cross. I just see a picture of us just laying these crowns, whether they're broken crowns or they're glorious things. We're just laying them at the foot of the cross, Lord. Whatever has hindered love, we just lay it before you, Jesus, and say, we need you again, Lord. We need the fresh oil of your Holy Spirit in your presence. Thank you for your mercy, Lord. That you do not snuff out that smoldering wick. You don't snuff it out, Lord. You, you rekindle it. So rekindle us this morning for those of us that feel just like we're barely, barely burning. Rekindle us, Lord. Come, Holy Spirit.